What's up, tribe? This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Bodyweight Built. Bodyweight Built has decided to jump on and support the show, which is obviously huge for me and the podcast, but also a huge step in the right direction for independent media. Bodyweight Built is an all-in-one fitness app designed by fitness trainer and buddy of mine, Matty Fox. I spoke to Matt just before Christmas and was telling him how I'd hit a plateau with my regular strength training. He recommended that I join the app, which I did. The results have been fantastic. I've shed body fat. Uh, My strength has gone through the roof, including functional strength, which is something that I've always struggled with. In the app, there are multiple 8- and 12-week programs, all designed to be done without a gym and even equipment, which was great for me because I only had a few kettlebells and dumbbells, um, so it's been fantastic. On top of those programs, there's nutrition tips and tricks, yoga classes, plus much more. Listeners of the podcast, I want you to head to mattfoxapp.com to get started for just one dollar for the first month just one dollar there's no locking contracts you can cancel at any time so if you decide after a few weeks that it's not for you cancel you've lost a dollar no harm done that's mattfoxapp.com i'll also attach the link in the description of this podcast ladies and gentlemen ladies and gentlemen podcast podcasting from sydney australia this is the prime podcast independent unfiltered and uncensored beginning in three two one got it senator malcolm roberts thank you for joining me again third time <laughs> third time third time lucky eh no you're welcome always a pleasure chris i enjoy talking with you mate it's great it's always good and, and very um enlightening and mate i get terrific feedback every time so they practically a co-host at this point three times it's... what's um what's been happening mate well we've we've seen the people have made their decision in the election last week uh a lot of people are very disappointed by it but uh that's that's the way democracy works um suck it up and just live with it because they've made their decision uh some interesting facts so chris as you probably realize i think um this is the first time we've had a government that's been elected with less than a third of the people voting for it so more than two-thirds of the people did not vote for the labor party um i think this is the first time certainly first time in a long time that i'm sure it must be the first time but I, i can't say that for sure because i haven't checked but it must be the first time ever that both the, the uh, old, tired old parties, Liberal Party, Labor Party, have had got less than 32% of the, the, less than a third of the vote. So, oh, hang on, the Liberals might be just above a third. So, you know, what we've seen, a very positive sign, is we've seen an enormous swing away from the Liberal Labor Nationals Club. Um, and that's the duopoly, you know, we've talked about that in the past. There's no difference between the two parties. They both push the UN agenda. Um, we saw a startling ad, uh, admission um, during the election campaign. Both Anthony Albanese and Scott Morrison, when asked uh, about the World Health UN's World Health Organization's international health orders regulations um, being changed to become uh, coercive and take control over a country's health system, intrude in it, they both said they were in favour of giving the World Health Organization more power. Yet Morrison mm. said at the start of this virus, we need to we needed to um, to hold them accountable, mm. you know, and, and then he changed his mind very, very quickly. And he said, no, he wants to give more, the World Health Organization more power. I think he said that in about April 2020. So, I mean, these people are allowing the U.N., if, if, the, if the U.N. 
uh, comes up with this this year this week they will allow the UN to have more power over us the other message that I think that came through for the election is that the Teal's got a very focused campaign. They focused on just a handful of seats. They focus on liberal seats. Uh, fortunately, they were woke liberals. Um, so we haven't lost anything by, by them going to the Teal's. But um, they, they're, they're just a closet uh, pro-Labor group. Uh, mm. they're, they're funded, driven by a billionaire who... Um, will be making a lot, who is making a lot of money out of re renewable energy, what I call unreliables. So there's something in it for him by the look of it. Um, so they're just masquerading as, uh, as, as climate warriors. The Greens got an increase in vote as well. But both of those, both of those parties didn't say anything concrete, didn't say anything negative. They just silently went through playing TikTok videos and all the rest of it. I mean, complete mm. crap, you know, and, mm. and, and that I think what, what happened was people said, we've had enough of two years negativity. So when we were pointing out messages, our vote went up, by the way, we're now the, the largest uh, freedom party in the country by quite well a way. Uh, yeah. And, and it looks like we might get uh, four, possibly five senators. So it, it all depends, but um, that that's very good result. Um, the other, yeah. The other thing is that, uh, these people went through the greens and the teals went through basically just skated through without saying anything controversial, nothing specific. They locked down their senators all the green senators were, were stopped from talking. Um, Lydia Thorpe escaped for one session, I think, and embarrassed herself. So they locked her up again. And uh, what's her name? Maureen Faruqi <laughs> did the same, but the, the greens have shut up and all they've done is relied upon what I would call immature videos and, and just emotions. And I think that reflects that people have had have had enough of negativity, and and they just want something clear. So they're not going to get anything, but but that's that's what that's what basically won. Do you think it was more of a vote against Morrison than a vote for the other parties? Because it seems to me like <laughs> it's, it, it almost seems to me like it could be the fact that they just didn't they didn't want to vote for Morrison, but they didn't really know who to vote for. I think, think you've nailed lovely? it. You know, I, I said throughout the election campaign, Morrison's best asset is Albanese and Albanese's best asset is Morrison. They're both woeful. Uh, yeah. The Labor Party, the Labor Party is pathetically weak um, and they're deceitfully dishonest. Um, what was I going to say there? Morrison failed completely because he started telling people started waking up to him being a liar. Mm. He I don't know if we discussed discuss this topic last time, but he repeatedly said day in, day out for a couple of weeks there, there are no vaccine mandates in Australia. That is a complete lie. Everywhere I went, I would just turn the microphone over to the audience and say, what do you think of that statement? And they'd be yelling at liar, bastard, you know, this kind of stuff. But if you look at what Morrison did, while he was saying that, he bought 280 million doses of the injections. That's 11 each. Yeah. He, he then indemnified the states. He then said to the states, um, oh, sorry, the, the state premiers said uh, the decision that they made at the states to mandate the injections was in line with the federal, sorry, with the national cabinet. Now, the national cabinet is not constitutional. It's just con concocted. Yeah. But who leads the national cabinet? Who formed it? Who leads it? Who chairs it? It's Scott Morrison. 
Um, and then you see there's something else that's crucial. You cannot have these injection mandates enforced without the, the knowledge that whether or not someone is injected. And that data comes from the Australian Immunisation Rec Register, which is a federal health department. So the federal health department made it possible. So Morrison bought the vaccines, bought the injections, spread the injections, led the cabinet that decided on the injections, and then enabled the injections to go ahead. Plus his party, with, with a few exceptions, no exceptions from the Labor Party, but just a few liberals accept, accepted, they opposed the bill that I introduced to uh, the Pauline's bill that I introduced into the Senate to outlaw in, uh, discrimination based on injection status. And then the same parties led by Scott Morrison denied us even sending it to a committee. Labor, Liberal, Nationals, Greens all stopped us sending it to a committee so that you and the, the other people of Australia couldn't have their say. And then you look further, Chris, and, and this, this bloody liar, he, he, he then you see the Defence Department, some people in defence are, are mandated, Australian Electoral Commission is mandated, and they're having trouble getting sufficient volunteers to run the election properly. Border, border Force is mandated, uh, aged care is mandated. So they're actually going against the constitution, mandating these things, you know. So you make up your mind. I've made up my mind. Morrison was a dead set liar, and people woke up to him. They woke up to him, and that's why they they were punished him because the Liberal Party has, has has plummeted down to what fifty something seats, isn't it? Yeah, it's been well, they were annihilated, and and I think it's yeah. a lot of that. Well, this the Liberal Party to to me, um, yeah, they've gone too far left with a lot of their policies and what they've done. And this has been, I think, accelerated since Morrison has been in power there, where the difference between Liberal and Labor, you, you, the, what is there? There's nothing. Zero. There's nothing. There's no difference. Name where, of that's what I'm the same. I mean, they used to be more sort of leaning towards the right with their policies. Uh, that's what the Liberal Party is known for. Um, but now, like, like my father's been a Liberal voter his whole life and, um, you know, when I had a conversation with the other day about it, and he said the Liberal Party is not the Liberal Party. They're not. He goes, they're Correct. a shadow of Labor. They're, they're just, they're not. This woke, this woke nonsense that's going on now and all the rest of it, it's, it's out of control. And, and now we've got a Labor government um, and the Greens who have a, I don't know how many, you'd be able to know for sure how many people are in the Senate uh, from the Greens party, but they're going to get a lot of say. Well, you know, the last Labor government was a Labor-Greens coalition. There was a formal coalition drawn up under under uh, Julia Gillard because she was the yep. Prime Minister with that, with that Greens-Labor coalition. And we all know that the tail, the Greens, wagged the dog, the Labor Party. Mm. Um, and so that's what's going to happen again. We don't know the makeup of the Senate yet, though, Chris, because... Uh, the voting hasn't been hasn't been finished. Uh, the counting of the votes hasn't been finished yet, and probably won't be for a few days yet. So we won't know the makeup. But it depends upon a couple of scenarios. Uh, if we get all the ones we look like we're getting, then uh, we might have the we might have some some say in the balance of power. Um, but if the Greens and the Independent in the Australian Capital Territory get it, then it's going to be. Labor Greens coalition and Senate. So it'll be Labor Greens coalition government. Oh, by the way, though, 15% of people, 15 to 20% of people voted for Freedom Party. So we now know that freedom is a definite, uh, it's smaller than I thought, but it's still a sizable chunk of people. We now know that, that freedom is a very important issue. And I think that group is here to stay.
Yeah, definitely here to stay. And I can tell you now that I can see that's going to be, it's going to grow. It's not going to, it's not going to shrink. It's going to grow because what I think is going to be coming in the next few years um, is really going to get, you know, a lot of Australians, maybe even the ones who really didn't get too involved in it due to the mandates. But, you know, when we're talking about all these climate policies and all those different policies that are incoming, they're going to really get the backup of a lot of Australians. So I can only see the freedom movement growing, moving forward. Um, but quickly back to the Senate, what's the position, what's what's going on with Pauline? Because I've seen a lot of talk online and I'm, I'm smart enough to know not to buy into what the media are saying. So I'll ask you myself, what's happened with Pauline? Because some of them are saying that she could potentially lose a seat. Others are saying that she won't. Yeah, there's potential for that. It, it doesn't look like they haven't seen the numbers today because I can't control them. Um, it looks like she'll be right to get back in. Um, but it depends on, on preferences because what happened was Clive Palmer came in and split the vote for the Freedom Parties. And so did the Liberal Democrats. Now, if we get all of their preferences or a lot of the, the preferences of their voters, then she'll be home. Easy. Um, but what's happening in, in pre-poll sorry, what's happening in the code counting now is that they're counting the uh, postal votes, which were huge. Yeah. Um, and the Liberal Party is doing really well out of, pre, out of the uh, postal votes. We're doing well out of the postal votes. The Greens are falling in the postal votes. They're not getting many. Um, so is the Labor Party and so is medical cannabis. So the threat originally was that the medical cannabis party might overtake Pauline. That's not going to happen. But the threat may be now that the third liberal candidate might overtake Pauline, in which case she'd be knocked out. Or we, we might see Pauline go ahead of the second Labor candidate, which is which is a possibility. So there's a very good chance she'll be back, but there it's not certain yet. So we're, we're concerned about that. Yeah, definitely. I hope obviously everything works out for Pauline. She's, um, she's a light, and both you and Pauline. I've been a light uh, for a lot of Australians for the past two years. So let's hope that, you know, things work out well. And so you're safe. You're fine. Yes. Yeah. I didn't, uh, I, I wasn't up for election, Chris, because uh, the, the Senate has staggered terms and I don't come up till 2025. But you know, the other thing there that you, you're, I, I agree with your dad that the Liberal Party is no longer the Liberal Party, but I disagree with him that it's become, well, it is a clone of the Labor Party, but I think we've got to take it a step further. They're both, taking their orders from the United Nations. They're both in implementing mm. the United Nations instructions. Uh, there's no doubt about that. The, the reason, one of the reasons, a big reason that Scott Morrison's Liberal National Coalition won the 2019 election, when everyone said Shorten was going to romp it in, mm. was because of their position supporting coal and especially their position uh, saying that they would not support the UN's 2050 uh, net zero uh, mm. decision policy from the united nations then two years ago they adopted it you know within 12 months after the election they adopted it i mean mm. that's just that's just the last un policy to come in place and and liberals have adopted it when they said their mandate was to not have it you know so that's yeah. the way that's what's happening and then you look at the world health regulations you're probably world health organizations international health regulations you look at them they're they're coming in um and there's a there's a critical Perhaps we can talk about it later, but that's a critical part of that is going to be that if we don't adopt them, assuming they get passed this week in Geneva, if we don't adopt them, then the world can apply sanctions to us. 
Now, you might say, well, sanctions are no big deal. Well, they're no big deal 40 years ago. But what, what's happening is that people have realized this COVID thing was not set up in, in 12 months. It wasn't set up in a few months. This was set up over the last 10 years. It's been premeditated. Yeah. But when, when you realize what's happening, Chris, 50, 60, 70 years ago, we were independent, our country. We made everything we needed, almost everything we needed. We made our own tool making equipment for, for, for lathes, metalworking, um, making tools for, for manufacturing. We made it all. And mm. we made some of, some of it so well that we exported lathes and other precision equipment overseas. We, we, we had our own oil reserves. We've now got, still got, we're now the largest exporters of natural gas in the world. We're, we're the second largest exporters of, of coal. We're the largest exporters of energy. And yet, if someone put a blockade on our country, within a matter of days, we'd stop, grind to a halt, because our oil uh, supply is stuck in the United States. That's where our oil securities are, in the United States. I mean, this is crazy. It is so crazy. You shouldn't even let them get down low, but then, so so in other words, the United Nations could just say, "We'll put a blockade on on Australia unless they take our um, uh, our World Health regulations," and so we would be really hurting ourselves because what they've done, Chris, this is this has been deliberate over the last seven decades. They have deliberately made countries interdependent. Now, that sounds like a lovely thing. I'm interdependent on you. We can get on really well. We're dependent on each other. Sounds good. But if you strip it all away, you're dependent on me and I'm dependent on you. If something happens to me, you're buggered. Something yeah. happens to you, I'm gone. So what they've done is they've made us interdependent, which has made us dependent. And so now we can't stand up for ourselves. That's what the UN has done. And it's been cold and calculated. And it that was their aim to do that. This is not, not about COVID coming up in the last 12 months. It's not about COVID coming up in the last 10 years. We know it's taken that, that long to, to engineer this. It's, this has been going on for seven decades, 78 years. Let me ask you a question about that because a lot of people wonder, and sometimes I think about it as well, what is it with the United Nations and the World Economic Forum and, and all these foreign uh, unelected uh, agencies? What is it about them where Western leaders just they just comply with what they with their demands? What is it? Is it the threat of sanctions and that sort of thing that sort of give them no choice but to go along with it? What is it that is pushing them to adopt policies? So let's just say. Albanese, for whatever reason, decided that he doesn't think um, signing on to the, well, uh, the World Health Organization's treaty is a good idea. He doesn't want to do it. We know that's not going to happen. We know that he will sign on to it. So what is it? Like, what is it that drives these Western leaders to just go along with it? Well, there, there are a few things. First of all, the World Economic Forum, has, well, no, let's, first of all, the United Nations and the World Economic Forum were both formed to push the, the agenda of the globalist predators, the major, major corporations, BlackRock, Vanguard, uh, and, and the people who own them, the Rothschilds, the Rockefellers, et cetera. Mm. So they control mo most of the large corporations across all kinds of industries in the world. Yeah. They wanted to get more control because what's happened, if you go back to uh, the way we used to live in, in Europe and in Britain, it was feudalism. So the baron or the lord of, of, of a region controlled all the land, owned all the land. And you and I would work as serfs. We would basically slog our guts out 
die at an early age after working all our lives. Uh, and we would, we would be given a plot of dirt that we could grow our crops on. And that would have to carry us through. The majority of our, of our work our product would be given to the Lord of the manor, but we would keep enough just to keep us alive. That was feudalism. We were controlled by the Lord of the manor and we worked for him. Then we had the industrial revolution and we had freedom break out and we had the middle class and the middle class was not controlled. It was free. And so the, the globalists don't want that. What the globalists want is control. And so the whole thing about this UN and W World Economic Forum is control. So what they want to do is they want to control property. If you, I won't go into it now, but there are many things that they control our property. If you control property, then you control the people. They want to control our energy. They've got control of our energy. They want to control our water. They've got control of our water. They've got control of many of the policies in both parties. Now, how have they done that? It goes back to things like the, uh, what is it, Young Global Leaders um, yes. Program. Justin Trudeau from Canada, Prime Minister. He's a graduate. Mm. Um, Macron from France. He's a graduate. Uh, Merkel, I'm told, is a graduate. Biden is affiliated with the World Economic Forum. They've actually said that the head of the World Economic Forum has said that what they've done is they've infiltrated governments around the world, especially in the West, and they have got control of those governments. Um, Ardern in, in New Zealand is a graduate of the World Economic Forum's Global Young Leaders Program. Sarah Hanson Young, the senator from South Australia with the Greens, is a graduate. Andrew Bragg, it's not just, the Lib not just the Labor Party and the Greens, it's also Senator Andrew Bragg from the Liberal Party. He's a graduate of the World Economic Forum Young Leaders Program. Greg Hunt was uh, the, what was he, Director of Strategy for the World Economic Forum in the years 2000 and 2001. Greg Hunt pushed through things that, that drove the... And, and drove the basis for an international carbon dioxide trading scheme, which will give the UN money, give them a guaranteed revenue source uh, once it's implemented. Greg Hunt uh, pushed the climate scam. Uh, I presented data to him that shows it's, it's not, not caused by us at all. It's just natural climate variability. Greg Hunt told me to my face, he said, that's the best presentation I've ever had on climate. The CSIRO, as we were discussing off air before, one day we can probably talk about that. They've never presented any evidence. No one has presented this evidence. And so Greg Hunt has pushed this through based on bullshit. Hmm. The others have, have fallen behind uh, the same way. Now, the globalists also pr push the media and they control the media. And the, and the media narrative has been to just climate, climate change is real and it's caused by us. When both are wrong. The education system has been taken over by the control side of politics, what most people call a left wing. And that's, that's indoctrinated people. So most people around the age of 30 now, they think that it's real because they've been, been indoctrinated all the way through. They can't tell when they're at a young age that it's indoctrination or education. They're not, not thinking for themselves at a young age in, in primary school. It starts in primary school. It, starts, it, it continues on TV, on the media. Um, it's, it continues in university. If you, if you want to speak out against um, the claim of man, the myth of man-made global warming and global climate change, you won't get a job at a university. So yeah, no. that, that you get fired. So, so what happens is these people have been coerced by the media. They want votes. So Frydenberg looks like he's out of the parliament. Frydenberg is a climate skeptic. He doesn't believe it. And yet he's pushing it because what he thinks is that 
as as there are more green voters move to his inner inner city Melbourne electorate, then he has to try and appeal to them. If he came out and actually told them the truth, we'd knock this whole thing on the head. But instead, what happens is the woke politicians, the gutless politicians like Frydenberg, uh, Sezelja, who's not a bad bloke actually, but he he had, he became woke because he's in the ter- Australian Capital Territory. Ashama, Zimmerman, um, who's the other one? Uh, Wilson. These people have got no no evidence. I've had an argument with Zimmerman about it, and I trashed his his argument about climate change. Um, these have got no evidence, but what what they're doing is they're kowtowing to inner city Greens voters. And and Chris, if if you kowtow to that without any evidence, then you're endorsing it. They're actually strengthening the Greens position, and they're strengthening the Teal's position. Zimmerman. Wilson and Sharma were replaced by Teals. Uh, Frydenberg will be replaced by a green. Oh, hang on, no, that's a Teal as well. So what they've done is they've created their own demise because of their gutlessness and their stupidity and their ignorance. So that's the way. It's not not a simple story, but the oh, the other thing that they've that they've done to push this climate change rubbish and the control by the UN. When you watch, when you dismantle the, the con- control methods they use for for pushing the climate scam, it applies to so many things. You showed me a little while ago that billionaires have advanced because of the COVID virus. Billionaires have advanced because of the climate change myth. And what they do is they make sure that the billionaires get their palms greased and make a lot more money out of it so that the billionaires said, sign me up. And then when, when they become prominent signatories of the climate change or the COVID or whatever, they're on the gravy train, but their voices are influential and they, they con a lot of people into thinking that COVID is a serious problem. That, that has to be dealt with with controls. Climate is a serious problem that has to be dealt with controls. So what you see is deceit, money, and you see a massive control. That's the objective control. And there are many ways in which they've done it, but that's that's some of the ways. Well, you know, that's right. And that's what a lot of people often say, okay, but why do they want control? Why do these people like Bill Gates and, you know, George Soros and these characters, why do they want control? And I say, well, listen, people like you and I, just born into a normal household, um, you know, average income. Our parents weren't wealthy. I'm assuming your parents weren't wealthy, but no, certainly no, not billionaires. They, certainly not billionaires, right? No, they um, weren't wealthy. So we've had to work for everything, and and, and you're driven by, not necessarily by money, um, well, by money, but to use for good or to to you know give your family a better life, yep. and you know, um, that's the, that, that's my dream. That was your dream. But these people that are born into to families with you know endless amounts of money, like Bill Gates. Bill Gates' father was loaded. Bill Gates never had to work for anything in his life. He never had to. He never missed out on anything in his life. He had it handed to him. Those are the people that grow up and chase. They don't need to chase money like you and I. They've already got it. They chase power. They chase control. Bingo. And, that's, and they're relentless in that. You know, it might be originally, oh, you know, I wonder if, um, you know, we can, you know, get people to to wear face masks. Then they've got that amount of control. I wonder if we can get them to lock up inside their homes for a number of months. They've got that control. They're after power and more control. And it's a never, like they're not, they're not going to get to a point and think, okay, we've got enough control now. It's never going to end. So people need to understand that they're, the way they think, the way their brains op- operate, isn't like the average person. It's different. So you can't really understand it. We're, we're all stuck in the rat race, the nine to five and trying to earn money and, and you know give ourselves and our families a better life. They don't need that. They need control and they want more power. 
And that's, I think, where a lot of that comes from. Uh, so it's it's almost asking, you know, the average person, why does a, you know, why does a serial killer like Ivan Malat, why does he do that? How could you do that? Like, it's evil. We don't understand it because our brain chemistry isn't the same. And it's the same with these people like Bill Gates. We don't, we, yep. we can't think, it's, it's irrational to us because they, they've got a different makeup than we have. Let me, let me give you an example. <clears throat> Um, this is from a Canadian broadcasting system, which is a bit like the ABC, Canadian Broadcasting Corporation, a government-owned station. They made a, a, uh, a video, a, what do you call it, a documentary, mini documentary, about an hour long, on Maurice Strong. Now you say, who the hell's Maurice Strong? You may you may know of him, but yep. he was the guy who fabricated global warming, fabricated climate change. He was the guy who said that he had two aims in life. Get how sick this is. One is to deindustrialize Western civilization, deindustrialize us, take us back to the caves. The second is to put in place an unelected socialist global governance. Now, I can run a company, so long as I get into a position of influence, I can run a company's board of directors without, without having the, the dominant vote. I can do that as a, because of personality. You can do it as because of personality. We know that boards of directors are generally filled with people who just just kowtow they've been selected to do that and they that, so someone can take over a company effectively without having a vote hmm. that happens you can take over countries the same way it, it, it happens you can take over a football club it happens hmm. so morris strong this is his background now he, he became very senior in the united nations he basically ran the joint so when he was 17 he did a, an intern at the un's um at the UN yeah. and just think about this the guy came back from that place as an intern and he said and someone asked him what was your impression young Morris and he said that place will have enormous power one day what 17 year old thinks like that Oof. that place will have enormous power one day now think about this it, it backs up exactly what you said then at the age of 25 he was running a, a large, well, no, not a large, but but a significant oil corporation, producing oil. Got that? Yeah. Producing oil. Yeah. And he says, um, "Hmm, I'm doing pretty well, but I want something else." So he puts his company in the hands of another manager, and goes off and works for Canada's most influential family. Canada's most influential family at the time, I can't remember their names, controlled both sides of politics. There's that word control. So he works for them. And then, then someone asked him, is your ultimate objective to get into politics? No, 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 no. That's not where the power is. The power. Mm. So he ended up commissioning a report on the state of the world or state of the earth or state of the planet, whatever it was, back in 1970. So 1970, he commissions this report and it comes back and says, the world's buggered. We're, you know, we're, we're going to hell in a handbasket. So, okay. So he then uses that report to to develop the United Nations Environmental Program, a department within the United Nations called UNEP, United Nations Environmental Program. And guess who becomes its first head? Morris Strong. Mm. So the people who sit at senior levels of the United Nations are basically diplomats, failed politicians, and, and bureaucrats. Mm. And all of a sudden you get Morris Strong coming up in there and he, he's sitting as, as head of UNEP. He's sitting one low, one, one, one level below the United Nations Secretary General, the head of the United Nations. 
but he's in that top management group. Mm. And so he starts developing lots of policies about the environment. And we know there were some problems with the environment in the 1970s because people had just started getting right into industry, new technologies, and they were making mistakes. But the significant thing was that people were correcting those mistakes. They don't like lakes being set on fire, covered in oil, beaches covered in oil. So anyway, Morris Strong then makes the environment the issue. So all of a sudden, people are saying, we need environmental policies. By the way, the Nazis did the same. So this has been copied from the Nazis mm. in Germany. So hang on, the head of the UN and the other bureaucrats that, that live just below the head of the UN, they know nothing about the, the environment. So they all say, well, what do we do, Morris? And Morris tells them what he'll do. Then Morris concocts the global warming uh, scam in 1988, he, 1970s, he created that. In 1988, he formed the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change. He, he's a, he was an exceptional brain, an exceptional networker, very good at manipulating people. Hmm. He then started controlling people like Greenpeace, WWF, for having significant influence on them. Then in 1992, he led the United Nations Rio Declaration, which was about 21st century global governance. And he got control of the floor of the, of the, uh, the delegates. And he brought a lot of people in from overseas through Greenpeace and WWF. And they, they all spoke very strongly in favor of climate action. So see how he started it? Mm. He, had, um, he then, then had a conference in 1980 in Villach, Austria, where they invited the, the, the chief climate scientists from around the world. And they came and they had a conference. Um, and they, they were presented with a document that said, sign this. It's a declaration stating that we need to cut our carbon dioxide. And the scientist said, no, mate, we're not signing that because there's no evidence for it. So 1985, in the same town of Villach, Austria, they had another conference. But this time, Morris Strong organized it so that they picked the scientists that would represent each country. And guess what? They passed a motion saying that we, mm. we, our carbon dioxide affects global warming. So even though it didn't. And so then he, he got the 1992 Rio Declaration, which was about 21st century global government. So I've, I've got the document. Hang on, just get it. There's been many, many documents written about this. The United Nations is not denying it. Can you see that? Yep. Uh, Summit Agenda 21. Yep. Yep. Agenda 21 came out in 1992. When it first came out, that was Agenda 21. 21st century global governance. They were wanting by the year 2000 for the 21st century global governance in place. They would control everything. Um, and, and at first, our politicians, they all signed up to it, by the way. Keating signed up to it in, as, on behalf of the Labor Party and our Prime Minister in 1992. At first, the politicians on both sides denied it. Then they said, well, then when, when, when people, Pauline spoke out about it in 1996, then when, when people became more uh, informed about Agenda 21, they went, yeah, well, it exists, but it's got no teeth. What they didn't tell people was that they were pushing through Parliament, sometimes in regulations, avoiding the Parliament, regulations that would control various aspects, our energy, our water, our property rights, our regulations on how we live, what kind of food we eat. They, they were being drafted and they control all of those things and they, they're seeking more and more control. And why do they do it? Because they like power. Morris Strong at 17 said that place is going to have power one day. That attracted him. He then influenced all this power. This is how one man can shape the world. 
and people say, well, hang on a minute. That's a bit unusual. I said, no, it's not because you've had Genghis Khan. Um, well, Genghis, Genghis Khan, who was Alexander the Great. We've had Hitler, many people mm. trying to control the world, maniacs. And, and that's, that, that if, if you look at these people, there is some maniacal bent in them. I mean, all look of them. At, look at Gates. Look at Gates. Um, but the significant thing, Chris, is that always beneath control, there is fear. So if you try to control me, it shows me that you're afraid of me. Otherwise, you wouldn't need to control me. That's right. So these globalist freaks, these globalist predators that are trying to control are doing so because they're afraid. And what are they afraid of? Well, if you go to the ultimate, um, the ultimate, what's the word, deceit, is the way they create money. They create money by, and, and we've had this proof from the Reserve Bank of Australia's deputy, deputy governor, Guy DeBell. Um, I asked a question in standard estimates. He confirmed it. They, can, they create money out of thin air. Now, the significant thing there is that people don't really think about money. It's in everything we do. It's intimately woven into every single thing we do in our lives. Mm. So we take it for granted. But if you sit back and say, how do they come up with the dollar bill? How do they come up with a $2 coin? It's just journal entries, electronic journal entries, to use Guy Bell's words. They just pull it out of thin air and just write it down. So they can create all the money they want. And that's a wonderful system if you're the one controlling the money printing. Yeah. But it's not for us because what, they, what happens is that these people control governments and they have done for centuries, literally control governments because they control the central banks. Now, in the case of the United States Federal Reserve Bank, it has power over so many other countries because of economic, because the dollar is essentially the global currency. Mm until Putin came along. But anyway, it's a global <laughs> currency. So the, so the Federal Reserve Bank is privately owned, privately owned. As Ron Paul, Senator Ron Paul said, Federal Reserve, it's neither federal, state, you know, federal government. Mm. It's neither, doesn't have any reserves. It, is, it controls the money supply. It controls the interest rates. It controls everything in the United States. Now, our Reserve Bank is not owned by anyone other than the people of Australia, but it's controlled by major bankers. So the Bank for International Settlements, which is a central bank of central banks. So what we've seen is a massive control of, of funds. And the same people who, who have the control behind the scenes over you and I also control BlackRock and Vanguard, which own most of the corporations. And what I believe they want us to do is to go back to being serfs and in the feudal times where we eke out a living. And that's what's behind the digital identity bill. We, give, we get just enough to survive so that we're producers and they can scram, scram all the profits off us and they can also control the money. The, what they're afraid of is people waking up and taking over. Which, yeah, which needs, which is happening. I mean, there's a lot more people now than this time last year that are actually speaking about these things, which is great because that's what we need. Uh, individually, you and I aren't going to, what can we do? Nothing. It's going to be a collective effort and just enough to make them uncomfortable, no. just enough to make them think about it twice or even prolong it. You know, just say they wanted to do, you know, achieve this by a certain date. If there's enough pushback from the people and they can see that, hold on, the people are getting a bit restless, they'll prolong it, prolong it, prolong it, prolong it. Um, and what we've seen in the past few years is an incredible acceleration uh, from these globalists trying to, trying to achieve their goals and, and what they, the great reset which I'm sure you're very familiar with. 
So the build back better, the great reset, new world order, you name it. And and the significant thing, Chris, is that those slogans are used by uh, Ardern in New Zealand, Trudeau in France, uh, Trudeau in Canada, Macron in France, Merkel in Germany. She used to be there. Uh, Morrison, uh, Boris Johnson. They're mm. used within hours of each other. It's all coordinated. Yeah, that's right. And that's what I keep saying to people. You know, we're just going to keep keep speaking. Just keep doing your part. We all have our part. Obviously, um, you yep. know, your part, you've got to, you know, you can speak to the parliament. You can speak to, a you know, a wide range of people about these issues. I'm lucky that I've got a, a big platform to raise these issues and speak on. Um, but even to the average person who may not have that, you know, a big following or whatever, just speaking to family about it, speaking to their mates at the pub yep. about it, uh, just getting the word out so people are at least, it's in the back of their mind. So when they raise things, for example, uh, the Labor Party with, with the co-ownership of, of the housing, 40% equity in the homes. The minute I heard that, I thought, oh, we'll own nothing, but we'll be happy. Straight away, I heard that. I thought yep. that's exactly what they want. I mean, I believe that's a step in that direction um, because it's blatantly obvious. Then yesterday, I see an article uh, down in Victoria. It was. Uh, I'll bring it up. I'll read it to you. There we go. Proposed petrol car cutoff date in Victoria in Environment and Planning Committee report. Uh, this is from the Herald Sun. A Greens-backed parliamentary inquiry has recommended a cutoff date for the sale of new petrol cars. Um, so things are moving at an incredible rate. They really are. Um, and I just hope that the, the, the cash uh, ban that I think it was yourself and Pauline that stopped that from happening a few years ago. Yep. Um, it, it's actions like that. Because imagine if you didn't stop it back then. Imagine where we would be now. We wouldn't have had cash for a few years. We'd be in all sorts of trouble. Well, you've got to have cash because it's an alternative to the digital currency. They have said they're putting bringing in. At Davos in the World Economic Forum this week, they've talked about the digital currency. Yeah. Uh, the Australian Banking Association's conference a few months ago that I went to, every single spoke, uh, speaker talked about the uh, either the digital identity or the digital currency. The Reserve Bank has talked about it. They've been working on it for years. Davos has talk, admitted that they're, they're working on a digital currency. The, the Reserve Bank of Australia has admitted they're working on a digital currency globally and interacting with other, other nations. So with that cash ban, it's very, very important because if we don't have cash, there's no alternative. You will go on that digital currency. And then they will determine what the value of that currency is from day to day. And if you don't behave yourself, you'll have less value in your digital currency. If I behave myself and, and kiss their ass, I'll have more value. So what they're doing is they're trying to get coercion in. But what you said a little while ago about the cash ban was significant. It was my office. I was the one who raised the awareness of this. We went to the Labor Party and the Labor Party said, yeah, yeah, you're right, but they voted for it through the lower house. The Liberals pushed it through the lower house. So then when it came to the Senate, we could get created such a stink with the crossbench and we put so much pressure on Labor that it was consigned to a committee to be evaluated. We also then got in touch with significant players in the grassroots membership of the Liberal Party. There's a couple of them stood up in Victoria and, and good on them. Stephen Holland in particular was one of them, um, not the swimmer, but another Stephen Holland. And we had, we had talks with them and we had talks with other people in the grassroots and they created such a fuss in the Liberal Party that the Liberal Party let it go. And so we moved a motion in the Senate saying that uh, we would dismiss that from the Senate list. And it's gone. 
but they're coming back because the digital identity bill is where they want to bring back another cash ban. So we got to fight that. But we will beat them, Chris, providing we do exactly what you said. Talk to our friends, talk to our family, talk to our workmates, talk to our sporting mates and spread the word and then speak up with, with the politician. Put pressure on the politicians as, as they did in Victoria with the, uh, with the cash ban. Speak up and spread it out. The other thing that gives me a lot of hope is that um, is that how can you put it? Um, we had questions of the digital transform digital transformation agency in federal Senate estimates, right? Yep. Mate, they struck us with their incompetence. That they can't do this. They will try, but they can't do it. Um, but they cause a lot of damage by trying to do it. So what we can do is make sure that they don't do it by spreading the word, then destroy anything that they can create, uh, just not cooperate, just hold them accountable everywhere they go, but they're not going to be able to do this. And the other thing is that, is that control always beneath control, there is fear. These people, except for the very senior level are, are, are either afraid and they're pushing this, even the senior level is afraid, but, the, imagine imagine being one of these people pushing these controls. You couldn't do it, Chris. No. Even if you wanted to, even if they were rewarding you, you couldn't put your heart and soul into it. They're not going to beat our passion and our, our energy across the across the everyday Australian. They are not knowing what they're doing. They cannot put their whole heart and soul into it. So um, this is not a fate accompli. They've got enormous power, but they haven't got the will. They haven't got the real passion. No, and look, there's so there's so much going on at the moment too that I feel like a lot of people are just their brains are just overloaded with so much. I mean, you've got COVID, which is still going on. Um, you know, not to the degree that it was 12 months ago, but well, it's the still fear there. of COVID. The fear of COVID is not really the problem. It's the government restrictions and the government fear yeah. and sensationalism. Yeah. That's the problem. That's the problem. But that's not where it is. You know, a year ago to today, you can't compare the two. You know, people don't care anymore about no. COVID. Um, but instead, you know, we, we get hit with, you know, the monkeypox. And then on top of that, there's a, there's a war in Ukraine that dominated the airwaves for weeks. Now, all of a sudden, no one's talking about it. Um, so that's what they do. They almost, you know, intentionally overload you with so much information. And there's so much going on at any given time that, you know, we just got over COVID two years of it. Of, of government interference and overreach and then bang monkeypox. The first thing I think of is fuck, here we go again. Here we go. You know, and this time it's going to be worse because they're not going to, it's not going to get any better. So I thought it was going to be worse. Um, but that's sort of sitting idle at the moment, but it's just, look, I don't understand how I speak to my mates about this all the time. I say, I don't know how the average person doesn't think, hold on, what's going on? Because me personally, I'm 29 now prior to COVID, there was nothing like there was an occasional bad flu season every five, six years. That was it. Then in the space of three years, we've been hit with bushfires, COVID, floods, more COVID, floods, monkeypox, the war in Ukraine. That's in three years. There hasn't been, that hasn't happened in the 30 years that I've been alive. So, you know, that should ring alarm bells in itself as to why are all of these events just where are they coming from? Why is this happening? Why are we having an outbreak of monkeypox that that's in 12, 13 different, no, actually now 15 different countries when this far, like if you, if you know anything about the virus, it's uncharacteristic of the virus to pop up like this. Why is this happening? We get, why is it's all shingles? 
<coughs> well, I've got um, I've got um, Dr. McCullough coming on Monday to have a chat to him about it and get his opinion because everyone's that have different opinions on it. Um, yeah. It looks like shingles when you look at it. Um, it. It could be them masking vaccine side of who knows what it could be. Who knows? Yep. Um, but what I do well, know, well, they, they're pushing they, bullshit. They did say, yeah, they're definitely pushing bullshit. What they, what uh, people have been saying for for about six months now. Oh, what's the name of that uh, virus supposedly coming up with, starting with the word letter M, uh, Mergon or something like it. And anyway, they um, they said that there will be a virus coming out that will hide the vaccine injuries, and and that that could be, this could be it. The people keeling over because we know that they're, they're doing that in the thousands. Hospital um, admissions, uh, ambulance trips have been skyrocketing, and <clears throat> and, and they're, yeah. they're in case they're what do they call it? Category one hospital trips, which is heart problems. Yeah. I wonder what that could be. Says says Yvette Death, the, the state minister for health. You know, I wonder Yvette. It's, yeah, it's no I wonder know. at all. But I, I heard that. You I, look I, at I remember things. when she said that. I'm thinking, what do you mean you wonder? You like you're not a stupid woman. You must like come on. Just we know we know what it's, it is. Is <clears throat> deceitful or dumb, but cl- climate change invisible, COVID invisible, bushfires that was not a problem there. Those bushfires were nothing unusual by our standards in this country, they were less than the previous bushfires, than, than earlier bushfires in our country, including the 1800s, including the 1974, including 19 earlier on in the 19th. Let, let, me, let me just quickly um, sorry, just to disturb you, just quickly, what just let me finish this part about monkeypox. So, I wrote a, an article the other day about it. Because I've heard about monkeypox for quite a number of months and I was anticipating it somewhere to pop up unusual. And I, I wrote an article on it. And do you know they ran, there's actually two sets. There was, um, I'll try and find it now. I, I did publish it on the, um, I'll tell you what, because you wouldn't, I don't know if you know, and if you don't know, you wouldn't believe it. It's almost hard to, to believe. So they ran, like they did with COVID, prior to COVID, they ran Event 201 which is a simulation of a coronavirus yep, outbreak. Yep, I'm sure yep, you're familiar with yep. that. They had so, several simulations. Yeah, that's right. In March 2001, the, there we go, the NTI, which is the Nuclear Threat Initiative, they held a tabletop exercise focusing on reducing high-consequence biological threats uh, with catastrophic consequences. And the virus they used for that simulation was a genetically modified version of monkeypox. Now, in September last year, the UK Ministry of Defence they used, there's a software that's called Conductor. I don't know if you've heard of it. So like this software that you can run simulations where it brings up fake Twitter profiles and fake Facebook and all the rest of it. You won't believe this when I tell you. And it's all there. Like I've got all the, um, that's the little uh, graphics for the event that they ran. So it's, you can find it. It's on Google. It's online. Right. So what they, it was, uh, where was it here? On conductor, so this was the ministry, the UK Ministry of Defence. They ran a simulation about how the world would react to Russian disinformation during a monkeypox outbreak. I'm not joking. This mm. was they ran that in September last year, mm-hmm. before the war in Ukraine was going on. Why are they running that event uh, in September? Like, come on, like, how can the per- like, that's not a coincidence? It can't be. No, well, they've had six years of Russian disinformation. No, sorry, disinformation about Russia. You know, we had Trump being accused of being uh, allies with the Russians. Complete bullshit. Mm. The Russians, and, and then there's another thing. So the fires, coming back to the fires, there's nothing unusual there except that the media blew them up. Nothing mm. unusual at all. And the media blew them up. 
And then you see Ukraine, that, that was the other one. Ukraine, all we're getting is one side in the, in the mm. media. That's all we're getting. Um, I stood up in parliament and said, hang on, hang on, hang on. I was the only one to do so. Hang on just a minute here. All we're getting is, is the foreign minister saying this. We're getting Labor Party saying the same thing, getting the Liberal Party saying the same thing, getting the Greens saying the same thing. The Greens, by the way, are the, the, most, are the, the greatest control freaks in the country. They want to yeah. inject people. That they're very much into control because they're, they're pushing the UN agenda for them and the UN's mm. all about control. And so we had all these people saying, just, just follow Ukraine, bash Russia, bash Russia. And I said, hang on a minute. I'm not going to take a side here because I don't know enough. But I'm going to ask one question. What the hell are we doing? Where is the information? Let's stop and not just follow America into another war because we followed America into so many more in so many wars in the last 100 years. So and there again, Chris, you look at the Fed, um, Ron Paul, Senator Ron Paul mentioned that in a book I read, very, very good book, End the Fed, End the Federal Reserve Bank. He said every major, and this guy is a phenomenally educated, um, self-educated largely, but, but very, very strong and respected by both sides of the house in, uh, in, in America, both sides of politics, incredibly well-respected, very strong, very honest, very competent. He said every major war since 1913 when the Federal Reserve Bank was created is directly attributable to the United States Federal Reserve Bank. Every major recession is directly attributable to their policies. They flood the joint with cash. Does this sound familiar? They flood the joint with cash, lower interest rates. People overcommit. Then they jerk up the interest rate suddenly and people collapse and foreclose. That's what's going on now. Okay. Right here. That's, that's the basic mechanism that they've done time after time after time. That's how they, they engineer it. Because who takes over the assets when you foreclose? The banks. Ooh. Who owns the banks? The same globalist predators. BlackRock, Vanguard, the, the same, same families that run the whole lot. So all of these things uh, attribute come, come back to the, the use of money and the control of the people who control the money. Yeah. It, it's just, it, it's, I, look, I don't know what's going to happen here. I mean, the interest rates are talking about to go up to 2%, then they're projecting up to 4% by this time next year. Um, with the way the fuel prices are going, fuel is well and truly back over $2 a litre again. Um, now I, I can speak about it cause I know obviously I'm a, got a young family with five kids and it's tough. Very, very tough. Um, to the point where when you, especially when you've been mandated out, well, that's right. That's exactly right. So, um, you know, it's, it's just the pressure, like to, to go, like, you shouldn't have to like, well, you know, you've got an event or, you know, you get invited to a, to a family gathering or whatever it may be. It's, you know, a few hours away up the coast or whatever. Uh, it's going to cost you a couple of hundred dollars in fuel. Just to get there, you got to take that. You never used to have to worry about that, but you know when fuel's up around two dollars thirty a liter, you got to think about it because that's a huge chunk of money that's coming out of your budget. Um, you know, it's almost forcing you to sort of stay local because you can't. People, you know, families can't afford to be going on holidays because the fuel's so excessive. I mean, it's double what it was a year ago, a year or two ago. I remember about three or four years ago, it got down to eighty six cents a liter in parts of Sydney. And now it's back up to $2.30 a litre of fuel. Um, you know, and there's no end in sight. We've got food shortages. And the food comes back and it's, it's, they've, they've hiked the price up on that. Um, you know, and then they're imposing sanctions on Ukraine and they're, they're blaming that for you know, a, few, a few of the, the cost of living issues that we're dealing with here. And it's like, well, stop sanctioning them. 
Stop it. If you're making the Australian people suffer because you're sanctioning Russia because they've made innocent Ukrainians suffer, you're doing the same thing with your sanctions. If that's what they want to blame it on. I mean, if, they, if they're saying that a lot of this, the inflation at the moment and, and shortages of different produce is because of the war in Ukraine, because of their own sanctions, well, stop it. Well, mate, I, I've got a, <clears throat> one of my researchers is extremely good. He's been across all the topics we're talking about for quite a while. He's been alerting me to the fact that so many food processing plants are shut. Shut. Yes. In America, they've got the largest baby and TNT radio. For anybody who's listening, um, when Chris is not on air, go and listen to TNT radio.live. And yeah, I can right. tell you more You're about on Saturdays. that. Not, yeah, I'm on every second Saturday. But, uh, but, but during the week, ph phenomenal. They tell the truth. They, they, they talk about the topics we're not allowed to be talking about. I heard Rick Munn on, uh, on the evening show. From, he's, he's broadcasting out of Belfast, Ireland. He said that the largest baby formula factory in America was shut down a few weeks ago because of some bacterial infection. They found out that it wasn't due to that factory. It was false. But the thing has not opened up since. It's still sh shut down. So they're trying to drive the price of baby formula up by making it scarce, or they're trying to just make it scarce and put pressure on families. There are so many baby formula, so many food processing plants in the United States, something like 30 shut. That's yeah. creating an artificial food shortage. So these people, I don't know how they're doing other than through ownership of the major companies like maybe Nestle, maybe um, some of the other food companies, they're all owned by the globalist predators as well. BlackRock and Vanguard. What, 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 so, why do you think? What, what, it's, it's not even a conspiracy. It's a fact that they're impacting. They're deliberately impacting uh, and well, causing food shortages. Uh, in America, the, the, the formula, the baby formula shortage in America is horrific. I know babies are going to hospital mm. now and, and some are probably dying. Um, you've not been able to get, there's one lady who said that she had driven, I think, 300 kilometers from her home. Um, well, 300 miles, whatever that is in kilometers from her home um, to, to find formula and couldn't. Um, so what is it? Is it control? Is it just to put the, the, the population in like just in shambles? Like, what is it? What are they gaining yeah, both, from that? Both of that, what they gain is control <clears throat> over people and they get then cheap labor. They get us basically back to feudalism, back to communism, working as slaves. The, the, these people have destroyed property rights, which is fundamental to a free dem democratic society. Mm. Um, they haven't destroyed them, sorry, because we, but they've destroyed them in certain sectors in this country. And I, I mentioned it to a group of doctors who um, invited me to their meeting. Uh, these are doctors against the mandates a couple, oh, a couple of months ago. And, and they suddenly had woken up. They realized it wasn't just them being impacted individually. It was their whole, uh, whole medical fraternity being impacted. And they suddenly realized they'd lost their, their profession. The whole profession is gone. Mm -hmm. And I said, now you know how the farmers feel like. Because the farmers in Australia lost their right to be able to use their property. They've got to get permission from people to, to grow certain things. I mean, this is just insane. If you own property, you bought it to, to make to produce whatever you want to produce on it. So losing property rights is fundamental to return to communism, destroying religion. And they've destroyed that, not, not with guns, but they've destroyed that. They're destroying it by infiltrating the churches. The churches have come up with woke policies now that push climate change. The churches have lost, uh, have been 
shut down during the COVID restrictions, the government's COVID restrictions. The churches were shut down, mm. but the pubs weren't. So uh, mm. the the abortion places weren't, but the churches were. So they, they've got an all-out war against, against religion because people turn to religion for guidance and a code of conduct. When the church is gone, they're, they're buggered. So they've also destroying the family through the family law system, which was introduced into this country in, in 1975 by a Labor government. It doesn't matter, Labor or Liberals the same. Um, and and they have destroyed. They are destroying families. They they've injected the kids with um, infiltrated the kids' education, indoctrinated the kids with all kind of gender bending influences, all kinds of sexuality changes, um, and then they're just indoctrinating them with climate change crap so they're changing the family the construction of the family, family they're changing unit, nation yep. states they're destroying they're destroying the the borders between nations uh fortunately abbott stood up tony abbott did stood up he's, he's the one leader we've had who stood out by actually doing what was right on so many issues i think he's aware of some of these things but um but he was under so much pressure from his own party people like Malcolm Turnbull, that he couldn't do the whole job properly. So they're destroying the fabric of our society, destroying the foundations of our society. They're destroying our borders. Uh, and what they want is a global governance, which means you don't have national borders. Um, you don't have elections, unelected global governance, and they just control things. They make the decisions that will determine your life. What you'll eat, and they've seen it. Davos has talked about this. They're going to put a, um, they can track your, they will soon be able to track your so-called carbon dioxide output or usage. Mm. Uh, and, and that will then enable them to say, well, Chris, you've had too much uh, too much carbon dioxide produced this, this week because you've ate uh, too much beef. So therefore you're going to be cut back next week. Mm, they want to control how we live. What we, I mean, they said it. Mm. It's not me saying this. Davos has said it. Well, you know, in Sydney, um, I don't know if you heard about this a few weeks ago, uh, Channel 9 was obtained a report from uh, the New South Wales government about um, distance-based tolling. Do you hear about that? No. Oh, distance-based tolling. So in other words, you pay per kilometre however far you drive. Yeah, so you'll pay. So just say, you know, I want to go into Sydney Harbour and I live, well, where I do live is about probably about 70 k's out of Sydney. Um I will pay a lot more to go there than what somebody would who lives 20 or 30 Ks away. So they're going to well, charge that's fair you. Enough. That's fair enough because someone who uses less, less energy should, should be paying less, but it depends on the structure, how they're going to do it. Because I, I'm guessing it's to control so that you don't, you don't drive very far. You'll catch a bus. That's right. And, and you're saying that now, I mean, Victoria is Victoria's, um, sort of they're well advanced in terms of this they've already got electric buses they invested a huge amount of money to get uh, electric buses and even buses now where you can put your push bike they've created these do you see that the victorian government have created buses where they've got um bike racks on every single bus so you can load your push bike up to the front of the bus and then take the bus so that's what they want they want us out of cars they want us into buses uh, electric buses, which what it, what it will be, um, riding push bikes out of cars. That's what they want. Um, but back to your religion uh, for a second. They've I'm going to I'm going to have to go go, uh, Chris, because um, it's uh, I've got an appointment at one one thirty. Says seventeen minutes past. Hey, you're right. It's gone fast, hasn't it? Yeah, it has. <laughs> well, it's it's a lot fast. Of but but I'll finish on this point. It's to why they're coming after religion. I believe. I think it's 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 a lot harder to control a man 
who has faith a lot harder because right. he he doesn't fear you. He won't fear you. He fears God. He won't fear the individual. Um, and on top of that, a, a lot of a lot of our moral compass comes from religion. Yeah. Um, so destroying that will leave as another way of demoralizing us. Um, that's my yep. reasoning for it. A lot of people ask me who cares. It's only religion, but those are the points that I make. That a lot of you're, our life here is from religion. You're correct. You're, you're correct. Um, all those things. That's what Lenin said. That's why he wanted to destroy religion. It's one of the first things you do. Uh, you are absolutely correct. History has, has shown that repeatedly, mate. You're spot on. All right. Well, I'll let you get to your meeting, Malcolm. It's been a pleasure as always. Same here, mate. Keep going. We we've got to have independent media. What I call independent independent new people media yeah well it's going well it's a big market now it's uh, from when i first started till now it's great i love seeing it because to me, it's not competition for me i love it, it, it it's mm. we're a community i don't look at another show as a, as a competitor it's, it's a community and 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 good work what you've been doing and, and also pauline um thank you for me as well that you know you both have um been incredibly important to this country it's birthday today, mate. Years. pauline's birthday yeah Happy birthday, Pauline. I'll um, yeah, make sure you pass that on for me. But um, Will do. Yeah, again, Malcolm, thank you very much. You're welcome. And thank you for what you're doing, Chris. Really thank appreciate you, it.